On today's episode, Ryan Bolter and I embrace our chimera and explore the power of friendship. This is The Hard Move. Hello and welcome to The Hard Move, a Powered by the Apocalypse discussion podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Gravelin, and with me today is Ryan Bolter. How you doing, Ryan? Good. How are you? I'm hanging in there. We have a uh, the the first frost of the season is upon us. It is ah, yes. It is getting to be that time of year where you either absolutely love what's about to happen in the next few weeks or you hate it. <laughs> I know I don't like the whole driveway here. Oh yeah, I got out of the Midwest, man. I'm I'm super done with snow. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I I traded it for rain. I live in Seattle now though, so like it's just feet of rain every year. I, I don't think I would mind that over shoveling. You don't have to shovel rain. Exactly. That's your pro tip for the day. <laughs> Ryan, we are going to be talking about a game that you're working on called yeah. Chimera. I, I read the kind of the tagline here is a genre bending RPG. You want to yes. talk a little bit about world building and the genres and what exactly that means? Yeah. Okay. So Chimera is a game where you take two or more genres. They'll be basically genre modules that you can plug into your game and you mix them together. Each genre, when you're doing your world building process, it has a list of world tropes for that genre. So like the fantasy genre will have monsters roam the wilderness. So if you selected that, now your world has monsters throughout the world just randomly there to fight or uh, cause troubles and havoc, if you will. Right now, I have three genres in development. There's going to be the fantasy genre, uh, which is like your typical Dungeons and Dragons. There is the superhero genre, uh, which everybody should know what superheroes are. They're pretty big nowadays. (laughs) And there is the magical girl genre in development right now. This is kind of like your Sailor Moon, your card capture Sakura, all sorts of uh, different anime tropes surrounding those. Would I be correct in assuming that the the, the recent reboot of Shira might kind of play into this a little bit? It's funny that you say that because the instant I saw the reboot of Shira, I thought this is a fantasy sci-fi magical girl blend that you could definitely play in Chimera. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So that's a a great touchstone for people who want a little bit more example of this genre blending that you have going on. So, yeah, I like that the the world from the ground up could be different just because Mm -hmm. I choose. First of all, I get to blend these. So you have three right now. Presumably there'll be more in the future, but I can choose two or three of these and mix them together. But then I get to choose the tropes of them. So even if we both are running fantasy magic girl campaigns yours might be different from mine because we chose different tropes oh definitely yeah you could you could set it in the past and and have the dungeons and dragon style technology with magical girls or you could bring in all of those various types of characters and and monsters and and dragons and stuff into a modern society and deal with how that mashes together yeah and it also looks like the playbooks in, in this system, they're called archetypes, yep. and a list of genre moves are also defined by the genres that you pick at the beginning of world yeah. building. 
Um, so presumably if I choose fantasy and magic girls, I have a list of archetypes that are the barbarian, the paladin, the bard, but then I also have a list of the magic girl archetypes as well. And mm -hmm. you get to choose, you get to mix those as well. Yeah. That's the really fun part about this game is once you get to the character creation portion, you don't just choose one playbook, you choose two. Mm -hmm. And then you blend those two together. Um, one of them becomes your primary playbook and one becomes a secondary playbook. And they physically actually insert into one another and create an actual book that has multiple pages, which is really cool. And effectively, you blend the different abilities and moves that are available to both of them. And the relationships and all of the background information kind of blends to create your own unique character with their own unique sort of wants and needs i i love it because you know you, you could have just stopped at the world building blending would have been plenty but this character yeah. blending is you know you have these two worlds colliding so it makes sense that the characters within that world are a blend as well and not just these kind of stark you know kind of black and white characterizations of the individual genres so right. i really like that as well so you have selected um, two moves that we want to talk about today, the first of which is a basic move, and the second of which is what you call a genre move. Yes. And again, these are available based on the genres that you choose up front. So we're going to mm -hmm. do one from Magic Girls. I want to start by going over this basic move, because I think there's a, the kind of nuts and bolts lie in this basic move, and then mm -hmm. the genre move calls on that. So yes. why don't I have you name our basic move? Our basic move is Embrace Your Chimera. This move reads, when you embrace your chimera by trying to do something with your abilities that is outside of your normal comfort zone, roll plus a narrative stat. On a hit, the move is successful. On a 7 to 9, select one of the options below. And we'll talk about those options a little bit more later, but those are basically mm -hmm. bad things that could complicate life. Yeah, exactly. So right out of the gate, I see a classic PBTA move structure here. Mm-hmm. But with two kind of differences. One is, first of all, the move itself is defined by just doing something outside of your normal comfort zone. And two, it's role plus a narrative stat. Yeah. So let's talk about the narrative stat first, just because that's kind of the more nuts and bolts version of this. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming this means that it's really up to the player and the GM to decide, oh, here's the thing you're trying to do. This is the stat we will be using for this Embrace Your Chimera move, which may yes. be different than the next time they use Embrace Your Chimera. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. All right. And I have a list of the attributes here that this can call on. And this mm -hmm. is the, the list, right? So we have, is it logical, optimistic, valiant, energetic, and relaxed? Yes. Again, right out, right out of the gate here, these are more, they, they have a lot of parallels, I think, to masks. These mm -hmm. are not necessarily your, oh, I was trained, you know, I trained in combat, so I'm strong. I have a strength score. These are more how a character approaches yes. the world. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. And I got a lot of inspiration from masks mm -hmm. uh, when I designed the the ability scores this time around. So it's it, you can definitely see a lot of parallels with the influences from Masks and, and a few other PBTA games. What I like about this, too, is these are more open to interpretation. So when I use Embrace Your Chimera, because and I want to I want to punch a monster into space. Yeah. If you have a strength score, then you're just using strength. Every time you want to punch a monster into space, you're going to use 
strength. Mm-hmm. But in this way, if I want to punch a monster into space, I might do it logically if i'm gonna aim for the weak spot that'll explode and propel him into you know the atmosphere Mm -hmm. or i might do it valiantly because i'm just gonna step in front of my friends and do it bravely and you know call on my inner strength i like that it's a little bit open to interpretation here and again like Mm -hmm. you said i think this ties into how the movie is written with comfort zone yeah yeah exactly so why don't we talk about that real quick? What what do you, as the creator of the game and as a GM of this game, mm-hmm. what constitutes outside of normal comfort zone? Yeah, this is basically when you are trying to push your abilities to the limit effectively. Um, you're you're drawing in from the inner strength, or or you are doing something like a massive calculation to figure out the exact angle to punch this thing into space with your exploding fists or whatever. Mm-hmm. If you're doing something just completely wild and out there, I kind of relate this move to the mask's move, Unleashing Your Powers, Mm -hmm. um, where you're just doing something extraordinary. And it's something like if you can fly, sure, you can just fly. That's not a roll. Mm -hmm. But if you're flying faster than you've ever flown before so you can catch up to save your friend, that might be embracing your chimera. Gotcha. Yeah, because I'm looking at the other basic moves and you have fight your foes, defend your friends, use your senses, aid your friends, brace yourself. Mm -hmm. So you already have a a list of moves. And I've mentioned this on at least a couple episodes already. I actually love, in a completely unironic way, the catch-all moves of PBTA systems. I think a lot of people, especially those coming from other more rigid rules-based systems, look at this part of PBTA as, quote, lazy. but Mm -hmm. To me, again, I don't need to write a 400-page book that details literally every eventuality when I could just write six moves and five of them are very specific and one and one is just basically everything else is going to fall into this category. Right. So would I be correct in assuming that this is kind of the catch-all basic move? Yeah, pretty much. Um, if, you're, if you're doing something cool, uh, it's pretty much going to fall under this move if you're not doing cool things to fight people or or defend people or all that sort of fun stuff so that's a maybe this is an interesting question too and again could be up to a gm's discretion Mm -hmm. but in in my example i want to punch a monster into space yeah could we make the argument that this is a fight your foes or is the fact that i'm trying to launch him into orbit with my punch the delineator that makes this embrace your chimera it could be an argument that you're trying to fight your foes at that point, or you could be doing something extraordinary that could potentially have some like collateral mm-hmm. consequences. So maybe you you have literal exploding fists, and to launch them into space, you have to explode your fists more than you've exploded them before. That might hurt some buildings, that might hurt some people. Mm-hmm. It might escalate the situation in ways that you don't anticipate. So it's very possible that uh, Embrace Your Chimera would be really good here because as a GM, you want to up the stakes, basically, instead of just personal stakes. This is stakes for everybody in the area. Yeah, that's a really good point, too. Um, Just for the listeners, all of the basic moves use the, quote, narrative stat. So they aren't defined by the stat. The move, the, the move and the stat are not intrinsically linked, so it doesn't have to be that way. What's right. the real consideration here, again, like you pointed out, is, well, what other, like, what eventualities could we come out of? For Fight Your Foes, there's a different list that you choose 
to avoid danger and stuff like that in mm-hmm. Embrace Your Chimera, um, and you already hinted at some of them, we have either yourself or someone around you gets hurt. Brace yourself if you are the target. Mm-hmm. Something breaks in an unintended way. The situation escalates, and the effect is only temporary or unstable. Yeah. So again, as the GM, if I'm looking at this and going, okay, we know you can explode your fists and you normally do that in a controlled way, but this is going to be big, and I think there's going to be possible outcomes here that are going to mm-hmm. be bad, so I want you to roll Embrace Your Chimera. Exactly. Gotcha. All right. I think that's it mechanically for Embrace Your Chimera. Was there any other mechanical aspects of this basic move that you wanted to add in before we talk about the genre move? I think that pretty much covered it. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So we will, I think this has only happened one other time before, you get to name a second move. Why don't you tell us what the genre move is? All right. So the special genre move and the reason why we covered Embrace Your Chimera is a move called The Power of Friendship. And this one reads, this one doesn't look quite so much like a PBTA move, but when you rally the team for an ultimate full team attack against a common threat, you become the team leader for this move. If you have two or more points in the fellowship pool, each player will describe how their abilities combine with the rest of the team, finishing with the team leader. The team leader then rolls plus Valiant to embrace your Chimera. The move is automatically successful, but you still have to deal with the consequences on a partial hit or a miss. Yes. So there's a few other mechanical things in here to note. First of all, it is using Embrace Your Chimera, but it's locking you into plus Valiant. Yes. And I assume that that goes along with being the team leader and inspiring Mm -hmm. your allies and leading the attack and all that. Yeah, that's exactly right. The first part up here, though, is uh, you have to have two or more points in the fellowship pool. So the fellowship pool is uh, this pool of currency that starts at the beginning of a scene. Yep. So you get one point per person in the scene, mm-hmm. correct? Yes, exactly. And then I believe there are there are there other ways to put points into this fellowship pool? Are there moves people can do to add to this? So it's not just a static number. Correct. Yeah, there's various moves that you can use that will increase the fellowship pool. There's options that you'll be able to select. And there's a lot of different playbooks that are designed around manipulating the fellowship pool a little bit as well. Okay. Now, does this, um, these two or more points get spent here, or is that just a kind of a requirement to do the thing? Yeah. uh, Basically, this will clear out your fellowship pool. Okay. So effectively, you need the two points at least. Mm -hmm. That requires at least two people in the scene for you to start off with. Makes sense. Then once you use it, your points are cleared because you're basically using all your team effort, all your team help in order to do this one guaranteed successful attack. Right. It does point out you're going to accomplish the success of Embrace Your Chimera, Mm -hmm. but you still roll because if you get a 7, a 9, or a 6 and below, then there are other consequences that can still crop up from that, which I really like. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, you're spending all your fellowship. Everybody's getting together, so you're going to do a good thing here, Mm -hmm. but you still might blow up a bunch of buildings or hurt people in the process. Oh, yeah. This is also only the leader roles here, but everybody has a narrative buy-in. Yeah, Everybody gets to say a thing that they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I'm imagining this is a very... Honestly, the first thing that popped into my head was like Dragon Ball Z when the enemy gets bounced around between a bunch of people doing like their cool, you know, sick kicks and flips and whatnot. Oh, yeah. Um, but I assume this can take a lot of different forms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of different points of interpretation uh, with what your character can do to to combine this move. And what I love about it is 
this is a very uh, tropey sort of thing in the magical mm-hmm. girl genre, uh, which is uh, pretty much the the reason why I love this move so much. Yeah, definitely. So again, mechanically, the power of friendship is only available if you're using a magic girl genre as part of your world building. Exactly. Now, one thing to point out is you don't have to be magical girls. You don't have to even have any of the magical girl playbooks in play to use this move. Mm -hmm. It's available to any character, uh, and, and that's what the genre moves are designed for. They're basically basic moves added into the game if you select that genre. Right. So I think that that pretty much covers power of friendship mechanically. Again, it is really just kind of a a, a wrapper for Embrace Your Chimera with, you know, different input and output. Yeah. Um, is there anything else to note about power of friendship mechanically? Uh, not mechanically, no. Awesome. Well, I, I'm just super excited to start talking about these narratively. Yeah. Um, power of friendship. I mean, again, like we talked about, there's just a variety of amazing over-the-top narrative scenes that people can talk about here. Um, And the one thing that I think will help facilitate that is again, you know, you know, success is going to happen. So everybody can say whatever they want leading up to, you know, the, the role, which will determine the possible consequences, knowing that whatever they say is, is canon at that point. Exactly. But then I think it also has this, more subtle ability of being able to punch you right back because you did have all of this great setup and then you still knocked a building down and guess what that building was full of people exactly. and now you have to deal with those consequences and that damage mm-hmm. yeah exactly or or just something very narrative uh maybe it's something that the the ultimate villain says to you before he passes or or fades away or whatever mm-hmm. that that hits your party emotionally all sorts of different options that can happen there uh, as a GM. Yeah. So, and you also mentioned that, again, this clears out the fellowship pool. Mm-hmm. Does that automatically kind of indicate the end of a scene or does it most of the time suggest that? How does that work? It, it effectively, um, you're going to probably be using this at the climax of the the session, probably, um, mm-hmm. where you're actually going against the big bad or or a big threat of some sort and you you really want to guarantee that you take it out after you tried your your normal methods Mm -hmm. and then effectively you're gonna have this big attack and things will start mellowing out afterwards you can still continue the scene but it's more of a denouement at that point than an actual like encounter right do you normally find that this move is kind of used or power of friendship specifically is used to end something or is it just as easy to use this move to you know oh, i knocked him in this space but he'll be back is it is it meant to be one or the other yeah i mean narratively you could you could do this to you know completely end a villain of sorts or you can use it mm-hmm. to uh lean into that that magical girl trope where yeah the villain's gone or are they <laughs> and and effectively um what's great about uh including the magical girl genre is you have all sorts of these wonderful narrative options like oh nope the the person that was your friend that passed away last season now they're back and they're evil and they're coming to get you or 
the villain was eradicated, you know, at the end of your last session. But guess what? Now they're back because that's the way it works. So you, you've got a lot of narrative options as a GM uh, when you're trying to lean heavily into these genre tropes, basically. Yeah. So speaking of, of the GM, what's the GM's role in kind of the setup of power of friendship? Is this really just the players can say and do whatever they want in the buildup of power of friendship? And then it's the GM kind of takes it from there and says, and here's the fallout. Yeah. Or is it more of a cooperative thing throughout? I've played it both ways, honestly. Uh, you can just let the the hero team narrate the whole thing through and then you narrate the fallout for that or you can you can work with your group because uh, as a gm you're not against the players you're a fan of the players Mm -hmm. so you're you can work with them to create this really fantastic uh combo scene of everybody's powers just you know combining in a really beautiful way right on the other side of that conversation is there any inherent limits to these moves that the GM can lean on to kind of make sure that this isn't just, oh, we start a scene, time to use power of friendship and and fight the big bad guy, or, you know, doing the power of friendship repeatedly. Is there anything in the GM's uh, kind of toolkit or suggestions for the GM that helps them mitigate a player who wants to do that? Or is this just meant to be, there needs to be a, a social contract between the players to not abuse this move? Yeah, I think it's it's mainly a social contract right now. Um, since the game's still in development, it, it's very possible that if if I see that it's constantly being abused, mm-hmm. that um, it's something that I would probably want to limit to maybe even just once a session you can use this um, because the session's usually going to be, what, two to four hours. Yeah, I mean, that that feels like it makes a lot of sense given what this move is trying to emulate from movies and TV and books. Yeah. This is a, a, a kind of a scene ender or a session climax. Mm-hmm. And if you did write in here, this is, you know, a once per session thing. I don't think that would be out of the question. And I think it would also Im- improve the value of this because we know mm-hmm. there's only one shot at this guys. So let's use it, you know, when we really need it instead mm-hmm. of just, if our ultimate power is used all the time, then it's not really that ultimate. It's just kind of our regular powers. It takes away from it. Yeah, no, that's a that's a really good point. Um, I think I will actually put that in there. <laughs> <laughs> Live game dev. Uh-huh. Awesome. And then speaking of just the basic move, Imarisha Chimera specifically, um, what do you think or what would your advice to a GM be for taking this move that could be kind of open-ended and a little harder to to get around and get them more comfortable with using this move or, or the GM being more comfortable with a player wanting to use this move? Yeah, uh, so basically you, you have to kind of ask yourself those questions like are they are they fighting a person with their normal powers and just doing normal fun things? Uh, hero stuff or fantasy stuff or 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 magical girl stuff then you'll probably be doing a fight your foes move Mm -hmm. um if you're trying to use your powers to defend somebody in a pretty you know normal power level sort of way that's probably a defend your friends role but if you're trying to use your psychic force field to protect a town of people from an incoming meteor 
that's going to be embracing your chimera probably. So it sounds like the time and place for embrace your chimera should be relatively obvious after a couple sessions or a couple moves at least to say, yeah, we're setting the stage. Here's what we're doing normally. Here's what's within the playbook capabilities. So anytime mm-hmm. we go above that. So I think that might also be another a bit for the GM to do is encourage mm-hmm. the players to say things that they don't think that they technically can do because mm-hmm. this move allows them to do those things. Yeah. And I was just about to say something along the lines of that, where as a GM, it, it, once you're getting an understanding of the limits of your characters that your players have created, uh, you'll, you'll be able to ask your players the question, do you think this is something that your character normally can do? Or is this something that you're kind of pushing yourself for? Because the the abilities in this system are very open to interpretation. So you could have telekinesis, say, as an ability. Mm-hmm. Now, is that telekinesis where I'm able to move cups around and feed myself with a fork without lifting my hands? Or is that telekinesis where I'm throwing giant boulders around normally? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's very open to interpretation of how you want your abilities to function. Mm-hmm. So if if you're throwing boulders around, maybe embracing your chimera is the fine-tuned telekinesis. Ah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's not just like a it's not a one-way scale. It's just you you're throwing boulders all the time, so you don't have the finesse yeah. of of moving a single teacup around or putting a sharp object next to your face comfortably. Mm-hmm. I like that because that's, again, that's not just saying, okay, my character is all powerful. I literally can throw mountains around. Great. It still means that when you want to like lift a key off a guard, I'm going to make you do embrace your chimera Mm -hmm. because there's a really good chance you're going to send that key right through the wall at, you know, Mach one. Uh (laughs) So that's, that's interesting because I've never really thought about, you know, like you, you likened this to the unleash your powers in masks. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't. I would never think about unleash your powers uh, in terms of doing the more simple things. But to somebody who's used to picking up boulders, picking up a fork is a lot different. Mm-hmm. So I like that this has again applications in both directions of that that power scale. So that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I think that's all I had. Is there anything else you you wanted to talk about for GM response and GM empowerment for the players to use this move or these moves? Yeah, I mean, basically, if you're using the power of friendship, or if you're if your players are using power of friendship, and they roll a miss, or they roll a partial success, then you get to pull off of those, uh, those misses and partial successes from Embrace Your Chimera. Mm-hmm. And you can do those at the normal level that you'd be comfortable with for Embrace Your Chimera. Or since this is a particularly epic move, hmm. maybe the response can be particularly epic as well. Or even widespread because everybody's participating yep. in this. This isn't just one person doing a thing. Yes. So everybody could be up for getting hurt because they all participated. Exactly. And actually, while you're saying that, what just something that popped into my head was, what if somebody in the scene doesn't want to use power of friendship. It feels like this has to be everybody has to participate or it doesn't work. Yes, exactly. The trigger is everybody joins together right. to do this move. If the team doesn't rally, mm-hmm. then the move would effectively fizzle. Mm-hmm. 
it, it would be very narrative at that point to to say how far does the move go mm-hmm. before it it falls apart and does this have any sort of uh you know mechanical consequences at all does does any of the the fellowship pool get depleted i, I think that would be a very interesting gm call at that point or potentially the the person who's trying to be the leader here could maybe still make an embrace your chimera rule to to pick up the slack and do it by themselves but by definition yes. it would not be a power of friendship move at that mm-hmm. point yeah exactly and i'm also looking at like the conditions lists that you have here for the mm-hmm. different stats um you know upset insecure afraid sad and nervous you know mm-hmm. any any one of those could make you know, somebody not want to be a part of a big full team attack. Yes. So I'm imagining there being some maybe GM guidance or prodding to say, hey, it looks like you're afraid and insecure right now. Are you sure that you your character would want to be a part of this big team move? Mm-hmm. And that would be a wonderful way to set up some uh, interesting uh, narrative between your characters to to do like an aid your friends role or mm-hmm. uh, something to try to uh, remove some of those conditions. What's great is it, it, every time you roll, you have a chance for failure mm-hmm. and now you've got more consequences right. piled on upping the stakes even more. And that's what makes PVTA interesting is you've got failure as well as success. And the failure is usually extremely interesting. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's definitely one of my like top three most important aspects of PBTA games and why I love them so much is that none of these moves are ever just nope. You know, that it, mm-hmm. it never doesn't go somewhere. It most of the time goes somewhere you didn't expect it to go, mm-hmm. but it always goes somewhere. Yeah. So I like it. Awesome. Any final thoughts on these two moves or Chimerian generally you'd like to share with us? Uh, yeah, I think we covered these two moves uh, pretty succinctly. I, I, I really enjoyed that conversation. Um, Chimera is, it's going to be pretty big. I actually have nine genre modules planned right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so the three that we mentioned and then uh, six others. And it, it's kind of modular to the point where if you wanted to create your own modules, you could... Mm-hmm slot those in um into your own games creating your own playbooks and all that sort of fun stuff um i I love community uh being able to work with communities to create cool content for these pbta games i love all the custom playbooks that people put out for things like masks and and I, i really look forward to hearing what people do with this because the games that i've played so far with this Every single one has been vastly different from the last. And it's just so cool to see people's creativity run wild when pretty much everything is at your fingertips. Yeah, I, I yeah, I can imagine, like, even when just with these three uh, genres and each one has, you know, what do we have here for tropes? Like six, six or seven-ish tropes and a couple genre moves mm-hmm. and a couple of, like, it looks like uh, races for each one the choices that you make through world and character building, even the same group of people, even if they were trying to probably wouldn't be able to have the same game twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's really uh, interesting the way it's uh, all pulling together. 
Um, this is the third iteration of the game system. The first two were way too crunchy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this one, it, this one feels really good. Um, and I, I'm really excited to see, uh, the finished product once, once I'm all done with everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, what you have the, the core rules beta doc I have in front of me is an extremely short, concise doc. And I imagine that the majority of the content for this game is going to come from the genres and the archetypes within those genres and the genre moves and the tropes and stuff. But the actual rules here to like get in and play this game are super accessible, mm-hmm. um, especially given the breadth of settings and topics and things that a player might want to do. It's still a very slim game here at this point. So I think, I think this approach, you know, this slightly more, vague and open to interpretation approach will serve you well for for all of the genre blending to come yeah i i believe so as well and i'm i'm just super excited for this project i am i am now as well (laughs) ryan why don't you tell listeners um if they are interested in chimera how they can find out more about this yeah sure if you want to learn more about chimera um i've got a bare bones website right now uh at chimerapbta.com um, or you can check out the Chimera Twitter account, which is at Chimera RPG. Or, or you can always hit me up. Um, I'm on Twitter at Lord Neptune. I also have uh, a few other projects that you can generally check out. Um, my main project is uh, Character Creation Cast, which is a podcast where we create characters for different role-playing systems. That's on the One Shot Podcast Network. Um, and you can get to us at charactercreationcast.com. Um, or if you actually want to join me on our Discord, I do real-time game dev in one of the channels on uh, our discord.charactercreationcast.com. So if you wanted to join us there, um, I'd be more than happy to talk Chimera game design with you. Awesome. And it sounds like this, uh, as you mentioned, the rules for this game are currently available to your Patreon subscribers. Yes. So we'll throw a link to that in the show notes if you're interested in getting in on that. And then a public beta is TBD at this point, correct? Exactly. Yeah. Once once everything's all set and uh, gone through the private beta testing, then we will go ahead and uh, release a public thing for people to uh, to check out. All right, well, we'll get those links out in the show notes so everybody has a chance to check out Chimera. Ryan, thank you so much for taking time to chat with me about your game. Um, I love talking with people who are doing their own PBTA thing, and and I I love seeing all the cool new genre blending stuff you got going on here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has been a really wonderful experience. Thank you. Uh, And to all of our listeners, thank you uh, for tuning in again, and I will talk to you later. The Hard Move is hosted and produced by Matthew Gravelin. You can follow the show on Twitter at The Hard Move and support the show at patreon.com slash thehardmove. Music is by Nick Gravelin. You can find his work at nickgravelin.com. Content featured in this episode is from Chimera by Ryan Bolter. For more information, visit patreon.com slash ryanbolter.